from the Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 3, Chapter 5, Text Number 6. Ita punasve ka idam nivesya. Shete guhayam sa nivritta vritti. Yogeshvaradhishvara eka etat. Anu pravishto bahuda yatasi. Yatha punasve ka idam nivesha. Shete guhayam sanivritta vritti. Yogeshvaradhishvara eka etad. Anu pravishto bahuda yatasi. Yatapunasve ka idam nivesha. Shete guhayam sanivritta vritti. Yogeshvaradhishvara eka etad. Anu pravishto bahuda yatasi. Yadapunasve ka idam nivesya. Shete guhayam sanivritta vritti. Yogeshvara dhishvara eka etat. Anupravishto bahudayatasi. Yatapunasve ka idam nivesha. Teguhayam sanivritta vritti. Yogeshvara Dishvara Eka Eta Vaishnavis Yatapunasve Ka Idam Nivesha Shete Guhayam Sanivritta Vritti Yogeshvara Nishvara Eka Etal Anu Pravishto Bahudayatasi Unamas, por favor. Etapunasve Ka Idam Nivesha Shete guhayam sanivritta vrittihi. Yogeshvara dhishvara eka eta. Anu pravishto bahudayatasi. 
<laughs> Technical difficulties. We'll, we'll be back right after this. Yata. Oh, you got it? Okay, go ahead. Yata punatswe kaidam nivesha. Shete guhayam senivritta vritti. Yogeshvara dishvara eka eta. Anu pravishto bahudayatasi. Yata. As much as. Punaha, again, sve, in his, ke, form of space, virat rupa, idam, this, niveshya, entering into, shete, lies down, guhayam, within the universe, sa, he, the personality of Godhead. Nivrita, without endeavor. Vritti, means of livelihood. Yoga Ishvara, the master of all mystic powers. Adishvara, proprietor of everything. Eka, one without a second. Etat, this. Anupravishtaha, entering afterwards. Bahuda, by innumerable. Yata, as much as. Asis, exists. Translation He lies down on his own heart, spread in the form of the sky. And thus placing the whole creation in that space, he expands himself into many living entities, which are manifested as different species of life. He does not have to endeavor for his maintenance because he is the master of all mystic powers and the proprietor of everything. Thus he is distinct from the living entities. Purport. The questions regarding creation, maintenance, and destruction, which are mentioned in many parts of the Srimad Bhagavatam, are in relation to different millenniums, kulpas, and therefore they are differently described by different authorities when questioned by different students. There is no difference regarding the creative principles and the Lord's control over them, yet there are some differences in the minute details because of different kulpas. The gigantic, the gigantic sky is the material body of the Lord, called the Virata Rupa, and all material creations are resting on the sky, or the heart of the Lord. Therefore, beginning from the sky, the first material manifestations to the gross, to the gross vision down to the earth, everything is called Brahman, Sarvam Kalabidam Brahma. There is nothing but the Lord, and he is one without a second. The living entities are the superior energies, whereas matter is the inferior energy. And the combination of these energies brings about the manifestation of this material world, which 
which is in the heart of the Lord. Om Jnanati Mirandasya Jnananjana Shalakaya Chakshurun Militam Dena Tasmahai Shri Gurave Namaha Shri Chaitanya Manobhishtam Stapitam Dena Bhutale Swayam Rupa Kadahmayam Dadati Swapadantikam Vandeham Sri Guru Sri Uta Padakamalam Sri Gurun Vaishnavamscha Sri Rupam Sagrajatam Sahagana Raghunatham Vitam Tam Sajivam Sadvetam Sadvatutam Parijana Sahitam Krishna Chaitanya Devam Sri Radha Krishna Padan Sahagana Lalita Sri Vishakam Vitamscha He Krishna Sindho Inabando Jagatpate Gopesha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namostute Tapta Kanchana Gaurangi Radhe Vrindavaneshwari Rishabhanu Sute Devi Pranamami Hari Priye Vanchakal Patarubhyascha Kripa Sindhubhya Evacha Patitanam Pavani Vyo Vaishnavibhyo Namo Namaha Jaya Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sri Advaita Gadadhara Shivasari Gaurabhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Yata puna sveka idam nivesha shete guhayam sanivritta vritti yogeshvara dhishvara eka etad anu pravishto bahuda yatasid. He lies down on his own heart, spread in the form of the sky, and thus placing the whole creation in that space, he expands himself into many living entities, which are manifested as different species of life. He does not have to endeavor for his maintenance, because he is the master of all mystic powers and the proprietor of everything. Thus he is distinct from the living entities. Sarvam Kalibidam Brahma, everything is Brahman, means everything comes from one source, Janmad Yasayataha. The supreme source, of course, is the personality of Godhead, uh, Krishna. And because all energies come from him, as is mentioned by Krishna himself in the Bhagavad Gita, he distinguishes between his lower energies and his higher energies. He says, Bhumir apu analu vayu kamaro buddhirevacha hankara itiyame bina prakritirashtada earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, intelligence, and ego are my separated material energies. And then he says that the uh, spiritual energies of, of the living entities, besides these are the living entities who are maintaining the universe uh, because of their influence. And that 
Aham Sarvasi today. I'm the source of, of both of these energies. So, because Krishna is completely spiritual, everything emanates from him, although there's lower and higher qualities, ultimately, everything's Brahman. There's a distinguishing factor that Krishna mentions in the Bhagavatam to Brahma, in which he says, Ritaratam yat pratyeta na pratyeta chatmani those with the perspective, those living entities who don't see everything in relationship to me then see a dichotomy, they see illusion because everything comes from Krishna and everything's being maintained by Krishna. But the living entity can come under the influence of Maya through forgetfulness of Krishna, through turning away from Krishna, and thus lose that perspective and not see spiritual energy at all, become completely conditioned by the, the modes of, of material nature. So here poetically, the, the universe is being described as the heart of the Lord, and at least it's the sky, and it, he says, the gigantic sky is the material body of the Lord called the Viratrupa, and all material creations are resting on the sky or the heart of the Lord. So this is very poetical and beautiful, and there's a way in which uh, we can understand how it is that it's Krishna's heart and that his real purpose for expanding in the first place into multiple entities, ekubahusham, the one became many uh, for enjoyment. And the living entities, us, are involved in that enjoyment with Krishna. However, through some horrible mistake, we become separated from that relationship. We're never separated. Pramasamita says we have that eternal relationship, it's always there, but somehow or other, I forget uh, the relationship. So it's Krishna's heart that he wants to uh, reunite with the living entities in relationship, but it's up to the living entities to make that decision, ultimately. And that requires some kind of intervention from somebody who has compassion and sees the situation and then helps to bring uh, those who have become separated from Krishna back to him. And there's ways that Krishna is always uh, working to help the living entities in this way. We can see from the Bhagavatam, the story of the Brahmanas who are performing sacrifice and their wives. And through his friends, uh, Krishna arranges an interaction with both of these uh, groups of people. The brahmanas are potential devotees and the wives of the brahmanas are already full-blown devotees. Because one day when, not because, one day when Krishna was walking with his friends, as he did each day, his friends 
claimed that, Krishna, you're the destroyer of all bad things. And therefore, it's not right that we're hungry, because hungry is a, hunger is a bad thing. So if you would kindly help to mitigate our hunger, we'd really appreciate it. And so Krishna recommended that they go, that is the boys, to the nearby group of brahmanas who are performing a sacrifice. If you've ever seen the Vedic sacrifices, it's a big production. Days and days to set everything up and they take it very seriously. I was once in South India at the Telugu conference and there were many, many yagyas going on at the same time and it took a week to prepare everything. Not that I was involved, I was just watching and performing the sacrifice. So the boys went in to visit the young, the young boys went in to visit the brahmanas. And Krishna had instructed them that ask for food, because they can give it now, uh, legally, according to the procedures. But don't ask in my name, because I'm a Vaisha, and it's a lower caste, and ask in the name of Balaram, he's a Kshatriya. And so they went in and they said, we're here on behalf of Krishna and Balaram. And uh, they're very hungry, and we'd like to bring them some food. And the Brahmanas, feeling themselves uh, a superior class of people, in fact, uh, when the coward boys had approached them, they addressed them as Bhumi Deva, O gods of the earth, O gods on earth. Uh, please, could you supply some food? And they ignored the, the boys altogether. They didn't say anything. That's the worst. If you say, get out of here, you bother me. That's one thing, but if you say, don't say a word, this is ignorance, which is um, the cause of all kinds of darkness, ignorance. So the boys went back disappointed and they told Krishna and Balaram what had happened. And Krishna, don't worry, that's okay. It's the way of begging. Sometimes people don't give. So this time, you go ask the wives of the Brahmins. And they went in and offered their obeisances and began to say that Krishna and Balaram were nearby in the forest and that they were hungry and needed food. Only halfway through their pronouncement, the wives of the Brahmins put together containers of food and rushed to meet Krishna and Balaram. At that time, the atmosphere in Vrindavan was tense because Kamsa was still alive. And there's a way in which uh, it was dangerous to go see Krishna because at least that was the feeling in Vrindavan. If you were seen to be cohorting with the enemy, you could also be punished and visited by one of the dastardly demons that Kamsa was sending out to try to kill Krishna. And there had been such perpetrations uh, throughout Vrindavan, killing all kinds of children and, and 
harassing people. But they didn't care. That is, the wives didn't care at all because they had this spontaneous love already manifest in their heart. And it came from hearing. They hadn't met Krishna before. They hadn't uh, received a book. They had met with devotees, incidentally met with them because they had duties that coincided with meeting some of the residents of Vrindavan who were pure devotees. And just in the course of those duties, there, were, there was discussion about Krishna and his qualities and his pastimes. And just by hearing from these pure devotees, the wives of the Brahmins became pure devotees. That meant as soon as they heard that there was an opportunity for service, they jumped up and they ran to the forest. And there's a heart-rending description of how Krishna greeted them. He was holding a lotus flower in his hand and twirling it uh, as an indication that he was holding them within their hearts. Again, uh, the heart is the seat of all emotion. And it's interesting here that we find that the sky upon which the which encompasses the virat rupa is also the heart of the Lord. He's extending himself, in other words, to all of us at all times, looking for our affection, looking for our, our service and, and our love. So those who come in contact with devotees and devotional service then can perceive this anywhere and everywhere. And Krishna will give opportunity to such devotees as he did for the wives of the Brahmins. When they went to the forest, they brought Krishna and Balaram and his friends this food that was meant for the sacrifice. And Krishna asked them to go back. They argued, did the wives of the Brahmins, that they had already gone against their husband's wishes by going to the forest and in that very strict atmosphere and society at the time, they would not be welcomed back, they argued. So we can just stay here and we'll stay out of sight. We will worship you from afar, but we'll stay in the forest. As you uh, move about, we may find some remnants from the Tulsi leaves from your lotus feet. We'll worship those and keep them on our head. And Krishna still insisted that you go back and he said, don't worry. Uh, they will accept you, that is, their husbands and society. So they did go back, and the husbands accepted them. And not only did they accept them, but they felt deficient in themselves, seeing the devotion of their wives. They had been awakened by this incident, and then began to lament that actually they had missed the whole purpose of Vedic sacrifice. Now, Sarvasya Chaham Hridisane Vishto Matak Smritir Gyanam Apovanamsha, another reference to the heart. Then, Vedanta Krit Veda Videva Chaham, the purpose of all the Vedas. I'm the knower of the Vedas, I'm the compiler of the Vedas, and the purpose of the Vedas is to understand me. And so, they, the Brahmanas, lamented so how could we have missed this? all these rituals we're performing were for naught. And they used pretty strong language. 
to hell with our sacrifices, to hell with our learning of all these mantras. After we, we learned everything, but our wives, they knew the purpose of all of this. And not only that, they've achieved it. So what's, what's our value? So the wives actually became the spiritual teachers for these brahmanas. Whereas before they had thought, we know everything. Sometimes we meet people like that. They say, I know everything. And get all your friends and bring them around, you can meet them. <laughs> I know everything. So <clears throat> the brahmanas also wanted to go to the forest, but they were afraid because they understood the political situation and thought, if anybody sees us, if any spies of Kamsa see us, then we'll be punished or killed. So it also showed that the wives' position was superior because they didn't even consider that. They went right away, whereas the Brahmins were restrained. In that same village where the sacrifices were taking place that day, the next day, Krishna and Balaram happened to be there still, and he saw his father and some of the elders in the community getting ready for some kind of sacrifice. The one story flows into the next. And Krishna, a little boy at the time, was curious about what kind of sacrifice they were performing. So he went and innocently inquired from his father, Father Nanda, what kind of sacrifice are you all doing here? Because he had just dealt with the brahmanas who had performed sacrifice uh, in a sense they were doing this niyamagraha, which means they were doing something and they didn't know the purpose behind it. So Krishna now wants to know from his father, do you know what you're doing? And his father said, uh, actually Krishna asked, is this just a tradition or is there some specific Vedic purpose for this sacrifice that you're about to perform? And then Nanda, charmed by his sons, five-year-old sons, inquiry. And he said, well, Kana, <laughs> this is something we always do. And it's to please Indra, because Indra brings the rain, and the, the rain brings grass for the cows. And the cows eat the grass, and there's milk, and we live in abundance because of the rain, and therefore it's because of Indra. And so Krishna then began to bewilder the mind of Nanda and all the cowherd men by giving arguments from the philosophy of karma mimamsa, which is an atheistic philosophy. It says that actually God's really out of the picture. Uh, we are independent. As long as we as living entities are independent to get whatever we need or to be elevated to wherever we wish, uh, just by interacting with the Vedic codes, if we follow those, then we can keep ourselves perpetually in abundance and situated in higher levels of the universe. There's no need for God anyway. And 
He said, and what does Indra do anyhow? Because uh, we can simply enact these mantras and codes and we're not dependent on him. But to speak of the fact that when Indra brings rains, he dumps most of it on the ocean. And Krishna went on with various kinds of convoluted atheistic uh, arguments to Nanda. And wended his way to the point of saying that actually the person and entity who's supplying everything is Govardhan. He says, look at the hill. Govardhan is providing grass and water and places of shelter like caves so that uh, the cows can be protected. And there's really no need for worshiping in Indra. And so Nanda Maharaj says, okay, we understand. We, we can worship Govardhan Hill also, but we'll do the Indra Yoga. And then Krishna actually had a, a purpose. He understood that his devotee, and Indra is a, a good devotee, and he, he has a job to do in service to Krishna, but he had become bewildered by pride. And he thought that he was the all in all. And this can happen. One might have some position or power and then start thinking that one is independent of Krishna and all powerful. And so Krishna wanted to help Indra out of compassion to diminish his pride so that he could overcome that great obstacle. So he told Nanda, no, no, just take all the paraphernalia that you were going to use to worship Indra and we'll worship Govardhan Hill with it. This is a great insult to Indra uh, from Indra's point of view. Because first of all, okay, there's something more important than me he's hearing. And of course, then he's waiting for his worship. And what could be worse for him than like, just use everything you were gonna use for him, let's worship the hill. This, this was preposterous to Indra. And he became enraged by this activity. So Nanda capitulated. And part of it was the arguments that Krishna gave, but most of it was the charm. Prabhupada comments in his Krishna book that when a five-year-old child begins to speak philosophy and people become enamored. What to speak of the fact that they were already enamored of Krishna completely. So whatever he said, ultimately they would just do out of love. So they said, okay. And they worshiped the hill. And not only that, but they circumambulated the hill. And afterwards, Indra became furious and sent his Sambartaka clouds to come and destroy Vrindavan. So this heartfelt pastime in which Krishna is thinking about Indra and curing his disease of the heart pride. At the same time, he's thinking about reciprocating 
his uh, loving heart with all the residents of Vrindavan. The other purpose of the pastime of Govardhan was that all the devotees have their time in which they have direct connection with Krishna. Throughout the day, for instance, there's a time when Yashoda and the other mothers are taking care of Krishna in the morning when he gets up, but then he goes off to the forest. Yashoda runs after him seven times every morning, making sure that he's got his lunch pack and that he's not gonna get into trouble anywhere. That is, uh, be careful, please be careful. And then he goes off and he's away for the day with all his friends and the cows. And then uh, at night, he makes rendezvous with the gopis. And so there are times for each one of the uh, servants of Krishna to meet with him and have uh, direct access. But Krishna arranged a time at Govardhan when everyone could be there all together 24 hours a day for seven days. So he arranged this pastime to share his heart with everyone at the same time. And that's what happened. It's unique in all of Krishna's pastimes that all of the devotees and all of their different relationships with Krishna were enacted at the same time under Govardhan Hill while Krishna was holding the mountain aloft. So, so, comma, we should be aware of Krishna's heart that it's all-encompassing. It's everywhere. Uh, his, what is everywhere? His intention to have a relationship with us. And as mentioned by Gajendra, Krishna's never inattentive to that relationship. I'm the one who's inattentive to it. So the process of bhakti means to incrementally become attentive to my relationship with Krishna. And then there's no problem. If I forget the purpose for, what I, for which I'm practicing bhakti, then I'm like the brahmanas who are just performing sacrifice for, for no good reason. And if I can associate with devotees and remember that my purpose is to serve and love Krishna like the wives of the brahmanas, then I'll get opportunities to serve him. Krishna will make an opportunity. He'll come and say, please bring me this or that. When we're in preparation mode for practicing devotional service means that Krishna will offer us some opportunity to become more connected with him. We can be assured of that. And as with Indra, if in the practice of devotional service, I become affected by puja, labha, and pratishta, the three enemies of bhakti, means that I want something in return for what I'm doing. And I become a merchant that uh, I'm doing this, so I should get something back. I put in so many man hours, how, what am I getting? Where's my premium for all this? Better uh, to emulate 
the, the mood of the residents of Vrindavan and their spontaneous devotional service to not ask anything in return for our devotional service and certainly not become proud of our service or our means of serving Krishna as Indra became proud and he forgot everything. He even forgot who Krishna was and tried to kill him, tried to kill all the residents of Vrindavan. Just thought he was an ordinary boy. So the Virat Rupa is with us now. We're sitting on Krishna's form. Everything, all the elements, the ether, the space between us is Krishna. He goes through, through the, the various ways in which we can remember him in the Bhagavad Gita. And if we remember that he is present with us always, the sky that surrounds us is his heart, and that he's looking forward to our loving reciprocation, then in whatever we do, wherever we're situated right now, if we remember that and try to serve Krishna, he'll reciprocate. And when Krishna reciprocates, then we feel happiness, otherwise we feel lost. Om Tat Sat. Those are a few preliminary remarks. And now we'll take some reflections or questions to expand the conversation. A reflection is easy. It just means anything you heard from the verse purport or the monologue that's stuck in your mind. And if you have a question that you think would open things up more, please ask. Yes, Marash. Hare Krishna. Uh, we have a word is very striking because Shukrapa uh, says that this material world is uh, in the world's heart. Uh, and so normally we are, you know, we have this condescending attitude towards the material world, you know, saying, for example, Shukrapa, who says the whole material world has to be checked out in the trash, uh, like that. So um, how do we balance it out? And when, we, when we're talking, when Prabhupada's talking in such a way, he's talking about our attachment to the material world. Otherwise, there's no problem. Anasaktasya vishaya nyatarham upayunjita nirbandha krishnasambande yuktam vayaragnyam uchite prapanchitataya buddhya harisambandi vastina mamukshabi prityagyo vayaragnyam palagupat katyate. In fact, it's a mistake, say the Goswamis, to reject anything. Everything we see can be used in the service of Krishna. It's what we're rejecting is our undue attachment to the material world. And it's an example, an analogy Prabhupada gives is a, a bank teller. Bank teller counts money all day long. If he or she takes one dollar off the counter and puts it in his or her pocket, then we'll be, he or she would be prosecuted. They're counting millions of dollars. So we also um, are in contact with the material energy, but if I claim any of it to be mine, 
then there's a reaction, karmic reaction. Therefore, the solution to all of that is to remember who we are and who everything belongs to, which is summarized in the verse from Sri Shapanishad, Ishavasyam idam sarvam kincha jagatyam jagat, tena tyaktena bunjita magridha kasasuddhanam. Everything animate or inanimate within the universe is controlled and owned by the Lord. One should therefore accept only those things necessary for himself and should not accept other things knowing well to whom they belong. So if one has that attitude, then Prabodhananda Saraswati Thakur says, I see the material world as the abode of joy because it's an opportunity to serve Krishna. Everything can be used in the service and therefore the dichotomy is gone. It's only in the mistake to think this is mine and I get to keep it. So if we act as an instrument and act as a servant, as a loyal bank teller who doesn't even take one dollar out of the till, then that, there's no um, difference. We, we see everything as to be engaged in Krishna's service. It's time for a couple more. Yes. Anartas means something that doesn't have value. So when you uh, use something for Krishna, then it has some value. It's a little risky to start down that road. For instance, with anger, you can become angry and then say, you know, I did that for Krishna. Like Gopalaban, who was a rascal, and he had a penchant for being a miser or he was a miser, and his friends criticized him. Why don't you offer, offer anything to God? And one day, when carrying a basket of grains across the field, a wind came and blew all the grains into the air, and he said, I offer that to God. <laughs> so uh, what we offer should be uh, well thought out and intentional. So you can lose your anger, which is usually the case, or you can use your anger. Anger is, uh, can be an anarta, but you can use it, but it's not so recommended because it's a part of the rudra principle, burns like fire and can get out of control. So it's, it's better to uh, not think in terms of, I'm gonna use my anartas in Krishna's service. It's better to think in terms of how can I best serve Krishna? And if I see there are obstacles in the form of anartas, how can I uh, purify those anartas so that they're no longer obstacles? The five main obstacles to becoming steady in devotional service are sleep. Uh, that is sleep, especially when one's chanting Hare Krishna. Because uh, if someone told you you won the lottery, you wouldn't fall asleep. You're like, well, where's the money? <laughs> or someone just sideswiped your car outside and you wouldn't sleep either. 
because I'm interested in my relationship with matter. But if someone says, let's read Chaitanya Charitamrita, <laughs> this is a, a, an obstacle. Um, you could possibly offer sleep to Krishna by regulating your sleep and refreshing yourself so that you can uh, serve properly, get a, go to bed early, get up early, and so forth. And then uh, the next one is distraction. And distraction means that uh, you're on topic and then your mind easily goes off topic. So to overcome that obstacle takes developing a higher taste, practicing, uh, focusing on Krishna's holy names and reading and hearing and so forth and not taking pleasure in distraction. And there are several other uh, anartas or obstacles. I won't go into them all right now, but those are just samples that we try, we should try to overcome the obstacle. The, the anartas. We'll just see if there's one or two more. Yes, one, two. In the purport, hi Krishna. In the purport, Prabhupada says that there's slight differences in different kalpas. I was wondering what are some examples of that, and more specifically, is there this earth planet in every kalpa and every universe? Is does Krishna come in Vrindavan pastimes in each kalpa? I'm wondering what are like the differences as far as the different kalpas and Krishna's um, experience. Well, as far as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu coming, there's always a Yuga avatar who comes, but it's not always Krishna. Sometimes, most of the time, there's an empowered living entity who comes to enact the, the Yuga Dharma uh, at intervals for his own purpose, then Krishna will come. So there's a variation there. And then you'll find in the Bhagavatam uh, variations of the descriptions of uh, various incarnations of Krishna, like Lord Bor. And the Acharyas, like Jiva Goswami, have pointed out that the, the varying descriptions of the Varaha incarnation are due to the different kalpas. So this is one of the ways in which many of the differences of description are uh, of, uh, reconciled by the acharyas. It's just it's different kalpas. So you can use that if anybody asks you. It's just different kalpa. It's an easier answer than try to explain the whole thing. It's a big operation, the universe. What to speak of all the universe is put together. And therefore, you know, and there's variations even in Krishna's pastimes. Sanatana Goswami describes how Kaliya, he's uh, kicked out of Vrindavan, but he offers himself for service, and Sanatana Goswami explains it sometimes. And Kaliya is very fast conveyance also. Uh, he's a very empowered kind of creature, and he offers himself to Krishna to, to ride to Vrindavan, so, uh, to ride to Mathura. And so sometimes, rather than Akura coming, uh, Kaliya will come and pick him up and take him. Krishna harnesses him and rides him like a horse. So you find uh, various, you find varieties. These aren't necessarily because of kalpas, but you ask for, you know, about differences in Lord Jaitanya's appearance and so forth. So Krishna's 
Bhaktivinoda Thakur gives a statement in one of his bhajans, Oh my Lord, your, your creation is so variegated and amazing. He just makes that statement. Okay, Prabhu? And just a reflection from what you were talking about, you mentioned the word um, to ignore the ignorance. That really struck me because I think about like, to ignore something is conscious. Like, consciously ignore things. So it just made me wonder like, how much of my own ignorance is because like, I'm consciously ignoring Krishna. And just like that thought, I was like, oh my, oh, thing. So like, that was really, really struck with me. Yeah, thanks for thinking of that. I, th- I think about it a lot. What is ignorance? Like, think of the word, this I was thinking the other day, the word acknowledge. I didn't go into the etymology of it, so this may be slightly... Anyway, I'll just say that the word acknowledge, I was thinking about, uh, it has the word knowledge in it. And acknowledge means to recognize somebody. Like, as we say in the context of like, okay, that person's speaking, I'm listening. I acknowledged what they said. And from that, ostensibly, knowledge uh, arises. On the other hand, darkness and ignorance uh, comes... Uh, this, there's a kind of darkness and, a, and a, uh, a real consequence that comes from ignoring somebody. Let's just say I'm having a conversation with you. And as you're speaking to me, I look someone else just like that. And then you'll, you'll say something like, but do you have to go somewhere else? Are you in a hurry? Or if I do this while I'm talking to them, it's just two seconds at the most, but then you may feel like, oh, what's the matter? Am I saying something wrong? <laughs> I mean, there's, a, there's a, 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 a consequence that comes from just breaking one's connection, conscious connection with somebody all of a sudden. What to speak of just not getting back to somebody or ignoring them completely, the, the misunderstanding, and, which is a kind of darkness, arises from that. So the whole material world's based on that. That's why there's a simple formula given in the Bhagavatam, Bhayam Dvitiya Bini Besha Tasyad, Ishad Apetasya Viparya Yospiti, Tanmaya Buddha Avajetam, Bhaktiyaike Yesham Guru Devatatma. So it states the problem and then the solution in one verse. The problem is that I turned away from Krishna. I'm turning my head in the wrong direction. Apitasya. Uh, and therefore, there's fear. That's another uh, uh, consequence of ig- ignorance. And, and he says, okay, you want to fix the problem? Say yes. Tanmayato Buddha Abhijitam turn around, <laughs> acknowledge, acknowledge that, that uh, Krishna has come to you, Spe- specifically says, there are people reaching out to you, there's a guru principle, somebody's there giving you everything you need, so he said, acknowledge that, and your problem's solved, he's turned the other way, and the light comes back on, all the things that we want and are, are missing because of ignorance it comes back into our lives because of turning our head the other direction but we have to do it and that's the very interesting point is we have volition we have to actually decide to do it ourselves 
So uh, we can be meditating on Govardhan because uh, it's a, in our line of, of uh, great acharyas, and Govardhan Hill is an ideal place for us. Srila Bhakti Siddhanta had, um, of course, we know Radhakund is the, uh, you were quoted, chanting those verses this morning. Vaikuntaj Janitovara Marupri Yatrapi Ratsotsava Brindaranyumada Dara Vaikuntaj Janitovara Marupri Yat. Sorry. Um, it's describing the hierarchy going all the way up to Radhakund as the ultimate place, but it's uh, Govardhan is just a little distant, so you can worship from far, from a little distance. And also, uh, Giriraj is a famous uh, form of Krishna who fulfills all desires. People come from many different places to Govardhan Hill, to uh, Govardhan Hill. And I notice that nobody goes away unhappy. Whereas Disneyland, <laughs> the kids are screaming, they gave him Pepsi-Cola, and they rode on the rides and they saw the mouse, but they went away unhappy, completely dissatisfied, and the father or mother were thinking, like, we just spent a lot of money. But <laughs> we see these families that come to Govardhan, kids, we're going on vacation. Where are we going, Mom and Dad? We're going to Govardhan. We're going to do Dandavat Parikram. <laughs> and you see these whole families out there. They do Dandavat Parikram. And there's you know, mother, father, and then three kids behind, trailing behind. And we, we walk past doing our Parikram. We look at them, and they all have this blissful look on their face. Albeit a little bit stoic sometimes, but you can see the, the, the bliss coming out. And nobody's complaining. Everyone's happy. Giriraj makes everybody happy. So this principle we were talking about last night of sacrifice or yagya, it's, it's so uh, blissfully applied to the worship of Krishna and Govardhan Hill. It's simple. Like during Kartik, the only thing Krishna asks of us is to offer a lamp. You can do extra stuff, and a lot of people get into, like, I'm going to, um, read the whole Bhagavatam in one month, I'm going to fast every day, uh, or whatever it may be, but all Krishna asks during Kartik is just offer me one lamp every day, and I'll be completely happy. And that's the uh, simple fact of bhakti, that Krishna is so uh, willing and ready, especially in the form of uh, Govardhan, that if we offer our heart as Krishna has supplied his, then uh, he'll reciprocate in ways that we couldn't even imagine. Om Tat Sat. Thank you very much. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai, Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai, Giraj Govardhan Ki Jai, Gaur Premanande Haribo.